Greetings, in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Now, if I would have come prepared to share on the birth of Christ, I might uh, be a little bit nervous about now, but I didn't. <clears throat> I am, uh, I am intending to uh, continue our theme a bit from. Uh, the Confession of Faith booklet, though I'm not going to follow it in a very strict fashion, uh, giving myself some room to develop a message that uh, relates to it, but doesn't uh, bind me to it. So, Again, I would also like to say I did appreciate the things that were shared here already. And uh, thank you, brothers, for teaching us from the Scriptures and reminding us of, again, of Christ's birth in the, uh, the joy that surrounds that event. <clears throat> knowing that it was only the beginning of the unfolding of the mission of obtaining eternal salvation for human beings. So we rejoice in that. And again, also a welcome to each one here this morning. Trust that you'll be blessed and encouraged as we look into the Word of God. Let's take a moment and pray before we go on into the message. Father, we are grateful this day again. We are assembled here in Jesus' name. And we are here, Father, to be exhorted, encouraged, taught, inspired concerning Christ, concerning His kingdom, concerning His purpose for our lives, concerning our life here, Father, as a representative of Christ and His kingdom. Be with us here again this day, this hour. Lord, may the word that is taught here be truly Your word, not our own, not our own thoughts, but may it be truly what You would say if You were to stand before us and speak to us. Father, we have Your word, and as As uh, men of limited understanding, we endeavor to understand what your uh, guidance, what your teaching, what your truths are as they're given us in the scriptures. And today, we're again asking that uh, the Holy Spirit would give us understanding, would be our teacher, and would uh, truly give us hearts to love the truth and to walk in it. So bless this time, Father. May, may you be glorified, may your people be encouraged and inspired, we ask in Christ's name, Amen. <clears throat> Alright, the, um, in the Confession of Faith booklet, if you have one, and if you don't, I know there's plenty around here, um, uh, if you would want, and I'm not going to follow it real closely, but uh, 
like I said, I, I do want to refer to it just briefly. Brother Earl taught last Sunday, and he uh, he got as far as one sentence in uh, number 11 of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and simply we believe and confess that the kingdom of God or of Christ is a spiritual kingdom and stands in contrast to the kingdoms of the world. I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but we're going to start there. Uh, I don't know... And I know that uh, the things that I'm going to share here today are not new to us, and probably most of us are convinced of them. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I think we all know what the kingdoms of this world uh, are like. We've uh, just trying to make what might appear to be uh, a little bit of the U.S. at least. don't remember how all these borders go, but... Uh, our board's a little small. Somewhere over in here, we have the boundaries between U.S. and Mexico. Um, up here, we have uh, Canada and their various provinces. And uh, anyhow, uh, those are kingdoms. You have uh, the kingdom, uh, uh, the U.S. It's a kingdom. You have uh, Canada. Uh, you uh, you know we can we can travel freely anywhere within the U.S. We don't need to stop at state borders. Uh, we don't have to. Uh, we can run from east coast to west coast without stopping if we want. Um, no political boundaries, and uh, so there's uh, we're all we're always within the same kingdom. But as soon as you get up here. Uh, into Detroit and get uh, one across into Canada, you've got a checkpoint. You're going to stop. You don't stop, you're in trouble. <laughs> you won't get through without stopping. <clears throat> and if you do, they'll chase you down. Uh, and it's because you're entering a different kingdom. It's an earthly kingdom, but it's a different king. There's different rules. They have different money. Uh, you're accountable to different people. You did the same thing down into Mexico. And of course, if you travel other parts of the world, uh, you, 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 you uh, fly into airports and you don't get out of the airport until you've crossed through customs. You're entering a new kingdom. Uh, and you've got to prove what kingdom you're from. <laughs> the, uh, this, uh, this uh, scripture or this uh, statement here that we believe and confess that the kingdom of God or of Christ is a spiritual kingdom and stands in contrast to the kingdoms of this world. And, uh, of course, it goes on and speaks about uh, the Sermon on the Mount and how Christ taught the standard of holiness for his kingdom. Uh, you know, we I know that we understand this truth, but you know, uh we're you know our citizenship is us and and uh recently we uh, uh traveled to canada and met with uh believers there and you know uh there was there was uh, uh there was a, a political boundary we had to cross but when we got to the the area we were visiting and uh, we met the believers there there were no boundaries none their homes were open to us. Their church was open to us. Their pulpit was open to us. Our fellowship was oneness, and uh, there were no boundaries. And that's because uh, we're part of another kingdom. 
And here are citizens of Canada who are a part of this other kingdom. And here we are, citizens of the U.S., and we're part of this other kingdom. And we could go down into Mexico. We could go all over the world. There's this, there's this kingdom that is permeating all these kingdoms. And there's no boundaries. And you can't put boundaries on it. Praise God. Uh, it's, uh, it's impossible to put boundaries on it. Men have tried it for years to put boundaries on the kingdom of Jesus Christ and to squelch it and to squash it and to push it out. And it only grows and exists in places where they can't touch it in the hearts of a human being. And uh, that's why they can't, uh, can't do anything with it. <clears throat> this morning... The title of the message is The Kingdom of Jesus Christ, and we'd like to just take a little bit of time to look at it and uh, discuss it a bit, uh, the kingdom, and in a sense go um, we'll, I'll refer to the points in the booklet some, but uh, I'm not going to be bound by it. <clears throat> First of all, uh, As we think about a kingdom, Daniel had this to say in Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, and this talks about night visions. I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people Nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. That was the revelation that Daniel had back in the days before Christ ever came. The revelation of a king who's going to establish a kingdom. And it's a kingdom that's going to involve all people, nations, languages, and it's a kingdom that will not be destroyed. And that's one thing that we can be confident of. The kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ will never be destroyed. Though it is attacked, though, uh, uh, you know, uh, earthly kingdoms rise up against the subjects of the kingdom of Christ and try to put them to death and all sorts of things to get rid of the influence of the kingdom, of Jesus Christ, it will not be destroyed. It will exist uh, in from the rest of time and for all of eternity. It is a kingdom that will not be destroyed. <clears throat> the scripture uses the term kingdom in uh, various ways and sometimes it's speaking of a kingdom that is yet to come. Uh, Sometimes it's speaking of a kingdom that is present, and I'd like us to I'd like us to simply recognize that the word in its context can mean different things, even though it's speaking of the same kingdom. Um, just whether it's speaking of it here and now, or whether it's speaking of it in the future. And John the Baptist, when he was preaching in Matthew three, says this: "Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And uh, that's Matthew 3. And in uh, Matthew 4, verse 17, when Jesus started preaching, his message was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so, uh, 
the uh, yeah the kingdom was uh, was had come was coming and uh, and will come in the future in even a greater dimension. But it uh, it's here and it's uh, existing now. Kingdom of Christ. First of all, or let's also consider what is a kingdom and how is a kingdom distinguished. In other words, what what uh, sets a kingdom apart or how, how is it? Uh, uh, a kingdom, of course, is uh, uh, a country, when we think of a kingdom, a country that is governed by a queen or a king. Uh, it is a land or a territory ruled by a king. And of course, in a spiritual sense, kingdom theology, the spiritual sovereignty, sovereignty of God or Christ, the dominion over which God rules in heaven and on earth. So a kingdom is an area over which one rules. And, uh, when we think about the, uh, kingdom of Jesus Christ, we're thinking about the area in which he rules. Uh, the king is the one who rules over an area, and a kingdom is over the, is the area over which he rules. And so we've already talked about uh, the fact that his kingdom uh, is a very uh, real kingdom. It exists in a very real way, and it's not limited by any kind of political boundaries. <clears throat> So, how is a kingdom distinguished? It's distinguished by a king and an area over which he rules. And so, the same is true for Christ. He has, a, he has an area over which he rules. And uh, it's his kingdom. In uh, this scripture in John, chapter 18, verse 35, when Pilate asked... Uh, was speaking to Jesus and he says, Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth, and everyone that heareth the truth heareth, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. <clears throat> Jesus uh, makes it very clear that uh, he is a king. He is, there is a kingdom over which he rules. Uh, he doesn't deny that a bit when Pilate asks him that. Uh, he just clarifies the fact that his kingdom is different than what Pilate uh, thinks about when he thinks about kings and kingdoms. Uh, his kingdom is different and he, he makes that very clear. If his kingdom were like earthly kingdoms, and his servants would fight. They would take up the sword. They would slay. But his kingdom is a very, very different kingdom. And uh, Pilate uh, didn't understand that kingdom. Colossians 1 verse 13, uh, tell, uh, Scripture tells us this, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath 
translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Uh, the uh, Jesus in Luke 17, verse 21, 20 and 21, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, lo, here or lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And so we simply look at all those scriptures to, again, remind us of the fact that the kingdom of God is present Today has been present, has been uh, uh, the kingdom of Christ, has been in existence. And ever since uh, his birth, uh, death and resurrection, um, you know, obviously God was, God was, uh, he was a ruler even before that. But specifically, the kingdom of Christ, you know, came in existence with his revelation when he was revealed in the beginning. Like I said, we recognize that there's going to be a fuller and a greater revelation of the kingdom of Christ in the future. But the kingdom of Christ is present now. And uh, we need to be convinced of that. Uh, 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 We're a part. There is a king. There is a kingdom. And our king is on a mission. And we're part of that if we are professing Christianity. Uh, if we are following Christ in obedience. <clears throat> so I'd like to answer the question, where does this kingdom find its existence? You know, we say there's a kingdom. Uh, Jesus is a king. His kingdom's not of this world. Where does it find its existence? Where is it currently? <clears throat> you can turn to Revelation 1, verse 9. This is the Apostle John. John, as he is speaking here, or he in verse 9, he says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. And we can just stop there. It gives us what I wanted. John, as he writes here, and he is addressing uh, the... uh, the seven churches in Asia, as the Lord had given him a revelation to do so. And as he, uh, as he addresses them, this is what he says. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. You know, John... Uh, states it very clearly that uh, they're companions in a kingdom. And we are. If we are professed believers in Jesus Christ, and we, are, uh, uh, we have made Him Lord of our life, and we are endeavoring to walk in His will in this life, we are companions and brothers in a kingdom. We are part of a kingdom. We have a king. <clears throat> John makes no uh, uh, hesitations in uh, in uh, clarifying that uh, brother and a companion in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. So, in as we think about the kingdom, 
uh, of Jesus Christ. Turn now to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to just uh, tie together the thought of the kingdom and the church a bit. In Ephesians 1, verse 22, this is speaking of Christ. And it's a little hard to just break into the context, but uh, it's uh, speaking of Christ and how he has uh, raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places in verse 20 and in verse 22 and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so here we have this king who is Jesus uh He is represented here as being the head over all things to the church. And that uh, the church is his body and the church is the fullness of him. Christ that filleth all in all. And so uh, we have uh, the church being represented as as, or being... uh, uh, Taught here as the Christ's body, and and He's the head of it, and He is the, uh, and uh, we are all part of Him. Ephesians five continues the thought, or just yeah, to, adds more dimension to it, I guess. Uh, Ephesians five twenty three. Uh, even uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, and we can stop there. We're not talking about husband and wife relationships. We're talking about Christ and his church. You know, Christ is the head of the church, and the church is subject unto Christ. And that's uh, uh, Christ's kingdom. Is its rep- it has its presence in the church, in his church. The uh, the scripture ends there in Ephesians 5 verse 32. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Uh, again, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the fact that the kingdom has its existence today in his church. In his body. It's, uh, it's where he is the Lord. He is the Lord of his people of His church, of His body. He is the head. He is the one who is, is supreme. He is the one whose, whose body it is. He is the one who is uh, uh, in charge, as you would say. He's the one who's, who's uh, at the head. And we, uh, as the church, are the body, and we are the ones who he, whom He wants to uh, work in and through. And so the, the kingdom has its existence in the church in the believers uh, today in this time that we're living in. The New Testament is full of that uh, that uh, uh, idea, that concept that uh, uh, the church is the present uh, representation of Christ uh, to the world. 
and and not only to the world, but uh, there's a scripture, I don't believe I have it referenced here, but uh, yes, in verse uh, 10 of chapter 3, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And we, if we would read that just a little bit differently, it would be a little better, to, easier to understand. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known the manifold wisdom of God by the church. It is through the church that God is, the, is, is uh, making His manifold wisdom known to the principalities and powers. And so it is the uh, it is the church, the people of God, the believers in whom the kingdom is currently has its existence. <clears throat> so we'd like to ask the question: What are the characteristics of the kingdom? In other words, we've uh, we we recognize there's a king. We recognize there's a kingdom. There's a there's one who rules, and there's one there are those whom he rules over. There are those who are subjects of his kingdom. What are the characteristics of the kingdom? In other words, what should people looking on see? As they look on into the lives of those who claim to be part of the kingdom of Christ, what should they see? What should it be that uh, they notice when they look on? You know, it. Uh, I think it's, if I recall right, it was John D. Martin that had made this statement already, something to this effect, that that the uh, the Christian is called the Christian community is called to demonstrate to the world what life looks like when it's lived in obedience to Christ. The Christian church, the Christian community, is called. To demonstrate to the world what life looks like when it's lived in obedience to Jesus Christ. And that is the long and short of the the message of the gospel. That uh, we are representatives of a kingdom. And it is through us that uh, Christ wants to demonstrate to the world what a life would look like when it's lived in obedience to the king. So let's think about that a little bit. What should, what are the characteristics of the kingdom? What should uh, people see? Jesus gave this uh, word in John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I would suppose that it wouldn't be wrong to say that that people should see a community, uh, uh, or yeah, those looking on, should see a community of people who love one another. That's pretty simple. 
a community of people who love one another. It's pretty simple to say it, pretty simple to find it in a Bible, probably a lot more difficult to actually live it out. But uh, nonetheless, that is what the Bible does call us to, a community of people who love each other. A community of people who are not just putting up with each other or just enduring each other, but who actually love each other, who actually appreciate each other, who actually uh, appreciate uh, uh, living life, quote, together as, as a people. They should see people who will bless one another rather than curse one another. In other words, speak well regarding one another rather than speak ill, rather than uh, speak derogatory one of another. That's what they should see. They should see a people who bless rather than curse one another. They should see people who bear one another's burdens, who support one another in life's difficulties and challenges, rather than a people who take advantage of each other. You know how it is in, in, the, in the world when, uh, when someone's down, uh, people take advantage of that opportunity. And uh, that should never, that, the, 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 the Christian church uh, should be noted for the fact that uh, people are there to support each other, to uh, bear one another's burdens, and to help each other along rather than to see when someone is is uh, stumbling or losing their way in some area that uh, or something went drastically wrong for them that that uh, somebody just steps in and takes advantage of them just like uh, our world in general would do <clears throat> they should see couples married couples who love each other and are enjoying life together rather than couples who are fighting and waiting or looking to get a divorce. That's what they should see when they look into, uh, uh, when they, when they uh, look into the community of believers. They should see couples who love each other and are enjoying life together. You know, it's unfortunate in our world, the, uh, the Christian community has uh, as high a divorce rate as the world. There's, there's just no, uh, there's no light there. The light is gone because uh, there's nothing different, nothing to offer a, a, a hurting world. <clears throat> they should see a people, as they look into the Christian community, they should see a people who put others' needs ahead of their own. You know, somebody has a drastic loss and... Uh, the Christian community steps up and meets that need. And, and uh, you know, our Amish uh, neighbors have been a good testimony of that for many generations. You know, somebody loses a barn and the next day they're all there. The barn's cleaned up and sometimes rebuilt in a few days, you know. Just uh, there for each other. Putting each other's, uh, uh, putting someone else's need ahead of their own. You know, they probably all would have had something they could have done that day. Rather than go help the neighbor clean up his barn. Probably all would have had something that they could have done otherwise, but they don't. In that in that type of community, they uh, uh, and yeah, it uh, the Christian community should be noted for those kind of things. When someone suffers a loss, when someone is uh, 
is hurting, when there's uh, things going on, they're there for each other and putting uh, others' needs ahead of their own. <clears throat> the uh, If we were to uh, refer to our uh, statement of faith, the things that I've just shared would probably be uh, uh, highlighted in in on page 10, top of the page, D, where it says, under the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, our king has promised to provide for our needs. We should not expect the government to care for us in sickness or old age. And we should not trust insurance companies to meet our needs. And we, should, we each should help bear one another's burdens and uh, strive to care for the needy as though they were Christ himself. Kind of summing up all those points there real quickly. <clears throat> And that's what we see here as a, as a Christian, as as uh, uh, as uh, representatives of a kingdom, and the King who we have uh, over us, who tells us that we should love one another. Love is, uh, uh, you know, love. We have this verse given that uh, by this you all may know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You know, how does love actually look in real life? Uh, those are some of the things we've been talking about. You know, we can, we can say, well, we need to love each other. Well, yeah, but what does love look like in real life? You know, uh, and that's, that's a little bit what we see here where we bear one another's burdens. We are there for each other. We strive to... Uh, in a, as a community, meet each other's needs and, uh, and, uh, uh, support each other in all areas of life. <clears throat> That's some of the characteristics of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and the people who are subjects of His kingdom. Another, uh, another mark that should, uh, follow the believers is uh, and, and we could refer to it in the booklet as well. It states that, uh, as uh, in C in page 9, our King is a God of truth. You know, we should be a community of people who are as true, who are true to their word. The, uh, the scripture here, uh, the, uh, our statement of faith uh, talks about our king is a God of truth and that we should let our yes be yes and our no, no, that we shouldn't swear. Um, and that, uh, and I'd like to say that we shouldn't, we shouldn't need to swear. You know, swearing is generally uh, the idea of uh, uh, trying to add weight to a yes or to a no, trying to add weight to a commitment. We should be noted as a people that don't need that. We don't need to add weight to our commitment because when we say something, we mean it and we'll follow through on it. Uh, as as uh, subjects of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, as a community of people who represent his kingdom, we should be as true as our word. And, uh, and that when we say something, we will follow through as the Lord gives health and strength, you know, and, and uh, we would do our utmost to fulfill that which we said we would do. Um, just like Matthew 5, verse uh, 33 uh, to 37 is where that is the scripture that gives us Christ's teaching that we shouldn't swear. 
it just reading it reads as follows again. Ye have heard that it hath been said to them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but perform to the Lord thine oath. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst, canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, and nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. <clears throat> and so our no should mean no, and our yes should mean yes. And it should be that simple. And... Uh, yeah, may God help us in that, to be a people who are true to our word, as representatives of a, of a kingdom of Christ. Another uh, uh, characteristic that people should see as they look into the community of believers is that we are a people who return good for evil. Uh, B, in our... Uh, our confession says our king asks us to respond with suffering love to our enemies, not seeking revenge, but trusting God, blessing those who curse us, doing good to those who abuse us and not going to law to demand our rights, <clears throat> blessing those who curse us. There's a, a scripture in Romans 12, if you'll turn there, gives us uh, a lot of input on the subject. Romans 12, verse beginning in verse 14, of where we have some very clear teaching regarding these things. Uh, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. <clears throat> Jesus in Matthew 5.44 says, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. There's a lot there. But to sum it up, you know, it's the concept of, uh, as people look in among the community of God, the community of Jesus Christ, they should see a people who are noted for returning good for evil. Who are noted to... Uh, uh, to not take revenge, to not seek revenge when they're misused and abused and uh, and uh, whatever. Uh, they should be noted as a people who, uh, rather than striking back, will seek a way to do something nice to the offender, will seek a way to do something of a blessing to, in return for a curse, something of kindness, in return for hatred, something of love 
in return for hatred and so forth. It should be, uh, that uh, should be one of the characteristics that uh, are, are a strong part of the community of Jesus Christ. Recompensing to no man evil for evil. Uh, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, evil, you know, um, be not overcome of evil. You know, there, the, the, it can, uh, the pressure can be on if we're misused. The pressure can be on if we're persecuted. The pressure can, is, it can be on if, uh, if someone is taking advantage of us or, or whatever. But he reminds us to not be overcome by that, but rather to overcome the evil with good. <clears throat> so a community of people who return good for evil. Those are uh, those are just a few of the points, really, that uh, should people should see when they look into the kingdom, into the community of believers who uh, demonstrate to the world what it looks like when Christ, when uh, uh, when a people walk in obedience to Christ. Those are just a few of the points. They go a long way. In, in, and would touch a lot of areas if we follow them out through all the va- ways and life, uh, you know, opportunities that come our way. We're not going to spend more time on that specific point or on those uh, uh, characteristics of the kingdom and what people should see, but rather like to look just a little bit at the at the challenge that the Scripture gives us of walking worthy of the kingdom. We do have that call that we were talking about in, in, in demonstrating the kingdom uh, to a world around us. And uh, if you turn into your Bibles in the First Thessalonians, there are several scriptures that uh, rela- uh, ref- uh, have something to say about walking worthy of the kingdom. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 11, Paul here, as he was, uh, as he's kind of giving the uh, church at Thessalonica a word uh, of encouragement, he says this to them, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Now, Paul is simply referring back to his teachings that he had uh, how he had taught them, how he had exhorted them, how he had charged them concerning the things of the kingdom of Christ. Like he says here, as a father doth his children, and then verse 12, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. And there was Paul's burden. He uh, recognized that the... the uh, church at Thessalonica was one of those churches who were representatives of a kingdom. And their lives were representatives of a kingdom. And he exhorted them and he admonished them and he he uh, charged them in various areas of truth, I believe, so that they would be walking worthy of that call to represent Christ and His kingdom. 
to a, to a world around them. And uh, he was concerned that they walk worthy of that. <clears throat> In uh, Colossians, just back a page or so, Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 We have a bit of the same concept in verse 9 and 10. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And here... Paul has uh, the same burden for the church at Colossae. That, and it was his prayer that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and understanding so that they could walk worthy. He was, he was burdened that they properly understand uh, the will of God for the believer, for the church, so that they would walk worthy. Of that uh, purpose and that call. <clears throat> he was burdened about that. In, uh, in just back a few more pages in Ephesians chapter 4. We have again uh, chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And again, just uh, just highlighting on the walking worthy. We are representatives of a kingdom. And as God's people, as professed Christians, we can, uh, if we understand the will of God for His people, understand it properly and walk in it, we are walking worthy of that calling. If we do not understand it, and we misrepresent the kingdom, and who Christ is, and how He rules, and and, uh, and all those kind of things, we actually walk unworthy of that calling. And so it's important for us to, to understand uh, the kingdom. The, uh, would you say, the rules of the kingdom. The, uh, uh, the king who is ruling over the kingdom. And that we would understand it and walk worthy of it. Notice uh, what characterizes those who are walking worthy. In verse 2 of Ephesians 4. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that's just, you know, just part of it. But again, it gives us kind of that, uh, that um, uh, yeah, it gives us kind of an overall overview of the attitude of one who is walking worthy of Christ. It's, a, it's an attitude of meekness, an attitude of, of, uh, of uh, long-suffering, patience. And uh, we have that same thought. I'm going to just quickly go back to Colossians because we had that same idea there. Uh, it talked there in verse 10 about walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. And verse 11 says, Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Strengthened with all might. The uh, true strength 
is manifested in joyful suffering or in, in the ability to suffer joyfully. True strength. As it says here, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. That's true strength. When a person can endure, uh, go through life and, and face issues of suffering, cross-bearing, trials, difficulties, and do them joyfully. Realizing that, you know, God is in control. God is on his throne. God understands God never did say life was just going to be a bed of roses. And true strength is actually when we can go through life and those difficulties, we can bear up under them patiently. They don't derail our train. They don't put us in the dump for two weeks or a day. We bear up under them joyfully. That's a a characteristic of true strength. So walking worthy of the calling. You know... As we notice, uh, well, let's just say this first of all: it is it is it is a noble uh, task that we have to represent the King and His Kingdom. Is it not? It's a noble task, and as we notice here in uh, in uh, we looked at this verse in Colossians about. Uh, Suffer, uh, uh, strengthen with all might unto patience and long suffering with joyfulness. And we have here in, in uh, Ephesians, uh, w- with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another, endeavoring to keep the, uh, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And when we look at uh, the kingdom of Christ and we look at those characteristics, the, the patience, the long suffering, the forbearing, the, uh, the, the gentleness, the kindness that are part of the uh, fruits of uh, the life of a believer. Characteristics uh, of, a, of a kingdom uh, uh, person. How different they are from the things that are, are the characteristics of uh, the earthly kingdoms and their subjects. You know, the, the uh, uh, for example, the... Uh, uh, the uh, lawyers and, and uh, judges and military men and all those kind of things that make up earthly kingdoms. You ever find those characteristics among them in any great measure? You know, lowliness, meekness, uh, forbearance. We, we realize they're, they're very, very, uh, very different. Very, in fact... Uh, I'd like to read you an account that demonstrates the difference uh, between when uh, men are a part of the kingdoms of this world and when they become a part of the kingdoms of Christ. The kingdom of Christ. And how different, how very different uh, those lives can be. I came across this in a, in a devotional this week is an account that I'd like to share with us. It's, uh, the title is Sharing the Bible, Sharing the Word of God. History books and encyclopedias yield volumes of information about the December 7th, 1941 attack 
on the U.S. military base at Pearl Harbor. History records the vast destruction and loss of thousands of lives. But history books do not give us the whole story. The book, Real Stories for the Soul, records the account of, of Mitsu, and I'm just going to use his first name because his last name is a little hard for to pronounce, but I'm going to refer to him as Mitsu. His, uh, the book, Real Stories for the Soul, records the account of Mitsu who led the squadron of 860 planes sent out to do the job, the uh, Pearl Harbor attack. <clears throat> and then, of course, the American bomber, Jacob DeShazer, was eager to strike back at the hated enemy. And on April the 18th, DeShazer flew his B-25 bomber over Nagoya in a dangerous raid. After releasing his bombs, he became lost in a dense fog, ran out of fuel, and had to eject. And so we had the, the, uh, the, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and DeShazer was the, one of the leading men going back to strike back against Japan. So DeShazer's plane, he gets lost in a fog, he runs out of fuel, and he has to eject. Wouldn't be a real uh, pleasant moment, would it? DeShazer suffered hunger, cold, and torture at the hands of his captors. He hated his captors and treated them with contempt. In May of 1944, he was given a Bible. He clutched it to his chest and began reading. He began to memorize verses. And when he came to Matthew 5.44, he became a changed man. He began to treat the guards kindly and respectfully. Soon the attitudes of the guards changed and they started helping him. After the war, D. Shazer returned to Japan as a missionary. So, Reading in between the lines a little bit there, he was probably after the war, he was a prisoner of war, and after the war he was probably sent back to the U.S. After the war, he returned to Japan as a missionary. One day, a man came to DeShazer's door. It was Mitsu, who had led the Pearl Harbor attack. He had been led to Christ by a man who had given him a pocket testament. The two became dear friends and considered each other brothers in Christ. They learned forgiveness and exchanged hatred for love. And Mitsu spent the rest of his life as a missionary. The writer goes on to say, Never tire of giving away Bibles. We may never know the effects of giving away one Bible. But as we look at those those uh, uh, that that uh, that story, you know, <clears throat> I like to ask this question: Which kingdom excels? You know, we have the kingdom of the world, and we have the kingdom of Christ. And we've been talking about the kingdom of Christ. We've been talking about our place in that kingdom. We've been talking about our uh, uh, some of the characteristics of the kingdom, and uh, and I realize we've not covered near everything that we could cover. But 
which kingdom excels? You know, you have earthly kingdoms. And uh, they're represented here. You know, you had Japan and you had the U.S. They uh, they took a man uh, uh, as a uh, prisoner of war. They treated him with uh, disdain and made life incredibly miserable for him. You know, kingdoms of this world, they... Uh, they have their place. They have, uh, uh, they have their uh, calling of God even. Romans speaks of it that way, that kings and uh, their men. And they, they have their place in governing the world, the earth as such. It's, it's part of God's plan and it's part of His purpose. They have their responsibility that God has called them to. They, if they do it according to their, you know, their... Uh, uh, what they're called to, they, you know, they restrain evil. They, uh, they try to at least. They, they can do, you know, they do many things to try to make life reasonable for people in general. Uh, of course, that varies from place to place and country to country and king to king and all those kind of things. And some, some kings are actually dictators and make life terrible for people. But, you know, you know, you know the idea. Kings have their place. They, uh, they can restrain the wicked. They can punish them. They can put them in prison. They can fine them. They can do all sorts of things to the wicked and to the uh, to the the one who who will not uh, abide by the law and uh, so forth. <clears throat> but they are very limited. They are very limited in what they can actually accomplish in a person's life. Here is an account of. Uh, of what the kingdom of God can do in a person's life. I mean, in some ways, we'd say almost unbelievable, right? You know, the two lead men who were the leaders in bombing and war and, and all those kind of things, to see those men come to Christ and become missionaries, you know, that is... Uh, that is... Uh, Basically, the demonstration of a kingdom that is like none other. You know, earthly kingdoms can do a lot of things to try to uh, control and guide and, and, and control the people and, and, you know, keep a peaceful country and all those kind of things. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for our king, kings and our, our governors and, and our, our lawmakers and, and all that they do to make life a peaceful experience in the United States of America. We're thankful for that. We understand that's a, that's a tough task they have. We are often pressured as God's people to be involved in the political realm to some measure or another. We're pressured. Uh, I remember... I remember uh, a guy coming around from an organization that, uh, better be, uh, forget the name of it, but he was quick to tell me that, oh, there's this, this Mennonite guy and this Amish guy and this other guy, they've, they, they've supported it, you know, they signed on. They, uh, you know, they're so quick to, to let you know that other guys that are like you, they, they, all, they support us. <laughs> they want their numbers. Uh, but uh, where was I going? But anyhow, we have, uh, we have these kingdoms. And uh, we have the kingdom of Christ. And we have these kingdoms. 
and they have their their God-given place to govern a land and and oversee a people, and and uh, we're required to obey them. But we are under a lot of pressure, even by many Christians. Uh, we are under a lot of pressure to be uh, uh, to to get involved in this kingdom and its political maneuvers. We are under a lot of pressure. The thing I would like to remind us about is this, what we see in this illustration. You know, if we try to step into, if we step into trying to affect people and the lives of people by the power of government, we have taken a drastic step down. We can never influence and affect the lives of people by the power of government like the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom can affect the lives of people. There is no government, there is no political power on the earth that could ever have done in Mitsu's life and in Deshazer's life what the kingdom of Jesus Christ did. There is none. And to involve ourselves in a political a governmental way to try to influence life and people and circumstances and situations is stepping down quite a ways. The kingdom of Christ exceeds all earthly governments and their abilities and their powers to affect people's lives in ways that nothing else ever will. And let's not lose sight of that. While the pressure is on and we are sometimes almost feeling like we're uh, 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 we're not doing anything. Let's not lose sight of the fact that we are we are to be representing a kingdom that will that has a, has a power that will affect the lives of people in ways that these earthly kingdoms can't even get close to touching. Let us be convinced of that in our hearts, because if we're not, or or, uh, or what I would like to simply say is. I want to simply let us with this idea or this uh, truth. If we want to go that route, we have just stepped down a huge step from where God has wanting to call us to in representing a kingdom that can affect people's lives in powerful ways. <clears throat> Jesus, in Matthew 28, says this, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now I'd like to uh, wrap up here with this uh, scripture. You know, Jesus gives us this exhortation, this command, this uh Commission to go into all the world. And I would like to exhort us that uh, we do stand in danger. Life is pretty comfortable here in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Job opportunities abound. Comfortable homes are all over. We are pretty comfortable. And we... Uh, I would like to exhort us to uh, to consider this commission that Christ has given us in light of the fact that we represent a kingdom 
that can touch the lives of people like no other kingdom can. Are we willing to uh, to step out of our comfort zone? Are we willing to leave the comforts of home and family and those kind of things and get involved or follow the uh, the prompting of the Lord as He uh, has places and missions and callings that He wants to call us to? <clears throat> There are, uh, uh, and I realize there's a, there's a lot going on in, in mission outreach, and I am grateful for that. I, I, uh, I know that, uh, you know, Christian Aid Ministries has, through their ministry of, of being in a disaster response and being there where people have had disasters and some of these, uh, places like Bangladesh and I forget there's other, uh, don't come to mind right now, but places that they've gone after there was a typhoon or something and great losses and they were able to go in there and minister to those needs and then after the basic needs were met, uh, there was an ongoing contact and eventually people moving in and churches being built and uh, uh, churches plantings taking place and those things uh, and they should be happening. Those things should be happening. I remember... Uh, somewhere along the way I heard uh, about IGO and some of the ministries that they do and where they uh, send some of their people out on ministry trips and send them into some of the, some of the most harrowing places of, uh, of our world, of, of debauchery and sin and, and the red light districts and things like that where there's great wickedness going on and, and Christians go into those places and begin to share the gospel and begin to plead to, uh, with people to uh, come to Christ. And, and my mind goes back to a, uh, another situation this some years ago, but where a, a Mennonite missionary in Haiti had a witch doctor who was out to kill him, and he knew he was out to kill him. And it was, it was not a secret. And one day the witch doctor come to his door and wanted him to take him to a certain town. And uh, he knew full well that that witch doctor was out to kill him. And he turned to his wife and said goodbye. He went out in the vehicle and jumped in. And the witch doctor hopped in beside him with his briefcase. And they headed off down the road. After a while, the witch doctor started spending down there trying to open this briefcase. And trying to open this briefcase. And, and, and he fiddled and messed with the thing. And fiddled and messed with the thing. And fiddled and messed with the thing. And finally, he gave up. And he turned to the driver. And he said, your God is more powerful than my God. I was intending to kill you. And I couldn't. You know. What am I saying? As Christians, as a Christian church, as representatives of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, these things should be happening. We should be walking into the, uh, into the uh, uh, realm of darkness. We should be uh, uh, walking up against it. We should be facing it with courage and with confidence that God wants to save some of those souls out of that pit, out of that deep sinfulness, out of that dark uh, debauchery. And... Uh, he has given us a commission that we would go. And I'd like to, uh, to leave us with that challenge. You know, uh, another one that uh, was made just aware of, just, uh, where did I put that paper? It was also through, uh, through Christian AIDS. I have it in here somewhere, I think. But thinking of opportunities, 
uh, Christian Aid has these billboards all over uh, various places in the United States, and uh, and that has that has opened up opportunities, uh, church planning opportunities. In uh, in 2010, Christian Aid uh, received a high volume of calls from Provo, Utah, and uh, many of you phone members prayed for the phone members who traveled to Utah to meet with callers and investigate opportunities for further ministry. Two years later, some families from South Carolina moved to Provo and planted an Anabaptist church. Many other regions in North America do not have a church that practices the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. Please join us to pray that God would send forth laborers to plant churches in the following areas from which we receive many calls. First one is Weber County, Utah. Our or Ogden, Utah billboard consistently generates more calls than any other billboards. One of our Hispanic callers would love to see a bilingual church started there. And then another area where they'd like to see a church planted is Clark County, Nevada. Clark County is home to Las Vegas, a city that has earned the name Sin City. Many types of people live in Clark County and Cam's phone team has talked with various residents of this area over a period of five years, and the calls keep flowing in. So just, uh, you know, uh, just to uh, exhort us a bit, I guess, get us out of our comfort zone. You know, it's nice to have a nice church. It's nice to be at home with family. It's nice to be a lot of things. But we have a king. And there is a kingdom. And there's areas where there are need for people to represent our king and his kingdom. And I would like to just lay it upon our hearts to think about it. Allow God to speak into our lives. It's it's uh we are in we've uh you know that uh, how much time is in the hourglass yet? How how long will this old world continue? Uh, I'd like to encourage us that uh let's Let's step up to the plate. Let's uh, let's represent a kingdom that is like no other kingdoms. Let's represent a kingdom that uh, uh, can't be matched by any other kingdoms. Let's uh, let's uh, allow God to to guide us in those things and and uh, be willing be willing to hear His voice if He speaks. You know, there's just a multitude of ways that we can represent the kingdom of Christ. A multitude of ways. And uh, let's, let's go for it. We're part of a kingdom. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, again, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for Christ, for his kingdom. And do help us, Father, to ever represent Christ and the power of his kingdom in a in a worthy way. Father, we realize that that the name Christian has such a muddled meaning in our world. But we ask that you would give us grace to clarify the meaning of Christian and what a true follower of Christ is. Father, give us grace to do that. Give us uh, courage and faith to, to
to represent Christ in a in his kingdom in a right and in a holy way. <clears throat> so Father, you again, you know the needs of the world and you know where we could make a difference. And do guide us in those things. Again, we just commit our, our lives and our time to you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat>